This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Worth Your Time podcast. I'm your host, Erica. And today I am excited to be talking with my friend, Angelise Schrader. Angelise, thanks for coming on today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, well, so Angelise and I met, gosh, how long ago was it? It must have been like, when did you work at Heritage? Seven years ago, I think. It was prior to having kids. So it might have been yeah. years. Yeah, it's been a while. Same. It was a while ago, but yeah, we, we met while working at the Heritage Foundation, um, but have since both, you know, gone other directions and we are both writers and moms and have stayed connected online. Um, and I want to talk with Angelise today about some things that have been going on in her life, um, including the story of her son, Chase, who's been battling cancer. But before we do that, I would love Angelise, if you could just introduce us to yourself, tell us a little bit about your family and just who you are. Yeah, well, thank you for having me. I love what yeah. you're doing and your story, and so I love being a part of this journey with you. Um, I am the mom of two, almost three kids. I have a five and a half year old, uh, my four year old son, who you mentioned, and then uh, I have another one on the way in November, hopefully. Uh, <laughs> and I've been married about nine years now. So, uh, originally from Hawaii, and I've been in the Northern Virginia, DC area about 15 years now. Okay, for some reason, I were you living in Hawaii again for like a short period of time? No, I go back to see my family every other year. A lot. Yeah. I was like, oh, she's probably, <laughs> I don't know why I thought you were there now, but um, but that, that's, that's very cool. What part of Hawaii is it? Uh, just the main island, Oahu. Oh, I'm dying. Someday I'm going to go. Someday. I can't and wait. I told my husband. I was quarantine like, COVID thing is over. Yeah, it'll be a while. <laughs> but I told him, I was like, one of these days, because my husband used to live in Hawaii uh, for a couple of years when he was in the army. And um, I said, it's not fair. You got to live there. You've got to take me someday. <laughs> yes. okay. Um, okay, so I know we've connected with uh, some of our writing projects. Like I, I spoke with one of your writing groups earlier this year. So tell me a little bit about that part of your life and what you love about writing. You know, my writing was on the side for a while. When you used to write at Heritage, I was like, oh, one day I'll go back to that. I wrote in high school and I went to school for journalism, but mm -hmm. I kind of took a hiatus and was trying to figure out like my path. And I didn't start writing till 2017, kind of when I, I hit like a, a breaking point, I guess you could say, and some personal things in my life I was sorting through and writing was kind of the outlet for me to process some of the stuff I was learning. And then a year later in 2018, my son got diagnosed with neuroblastoma. And I was so glad I started writing when I did because it brought so much perspective to my journey. And so many people were like, why are you able to walk through this and not be feeling so sorry for yourself? And I really attribute it to the writing that gave me perspective leading up into that diagnosis. Um, and then was writing, started a blog, Holistic Ho'ola, which based on Hawaii, it's about mind, mm -hmm. soul, wellness, and the cure of being mind, body, soul, 
-hmm. holistic um, finding the cure in Jesus in um, mind, body, and soul, and understanding what that scripture is about loving him with our heart, mind, and soul. And that's how it started. And then in the beginning of 2019, ideas just started coming together for a book. So I've kind of been working on that for the last year. Um, and hopefully we'll be publishing that sometime in the coming year. Um, is it like that topic or is it something else specifically? It's the working title is Catalyst for Healing. We'll see. I don't know how it works with authors. <laughs> oh yeah. You never know what it'll change to. <laughs> yeah. I have to submit like three subtitles. Um, but essentially what I've been learning is I'm a fixer. I come from a fix it kind of a background. Um, and I've been learning about how the, best healing I've experienced in my life, not just my son's life, but also like emotional mind, body, soul healing has been in creating space for God to do things instead of me trying to fix it. Um, and so it's kind of talking a little bit about that and how we can create space for the people around us um, to mm. walk in that healing as well. Cause my heart really is for our communities um, instead of to experience real healing instead of us trying to fix everything with our words and our ideas. Mm. So what does it look like? What's an example of it? What it looks like to create space in your life for God? Well, I can give a quick story from. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Lynn's cancer journey, actually. Um, back in, like I said, I'm a, a fixer. I like to make things happen. If something's wrong, I'm going to call the right people and knock on the right doors. I think that's a little Washington. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Make <laughs> totally campaign. Um, and with my son's diagnosis, one thing I didn't mention, um, this journey, this whole cancer journey, one of the big healing parts has not just been my son, but it's sort of been our marriage. And we come from mm. very different backgrounds. I am from Hawaii. My parents are kind of, and I'm going to say they're hippies in a sense, like my grandfather yeah. lives off the land. Um, you know, he grows organic almonds in central California and my mm. husband's family is, um, my husband's father is a lawyer. Uh, for a big firm in DC, or he was. And so we just, we look at the world through very different lenses. And when it came to my son's health, we also looked at the world through very different lenses. And he um, he had a tumor in his neck in 2018. It came back in 2019. And uh, we had done the chemo route the first time, which was really hard for me because I'm very holistic. Um, and they said, we need to do it again. And I'm mm. praying about it and talking to the Lord about it. And I really had the strong sense that the Lord wanted to do it differently this time and that he was going to cut it out via surgery. And we had talked to um, our surgeon. We knew that was an option. Uh, I talked to friends who, you know, were like, that makes sense to me. Um, but my husband wanted to lean towards kind of what's the National Oncology Board and a lot of the oncologists, different opinions we had talked to had said, you should do chemo again. And I was like, hmm. Mm -hmm. We did that last year. It didn't. Yeah. Why are we doing the same thing again? And uh, a woman that mentors me from our church said, Anjali, so the Lord said he's going to do something. He's going to do it. And mm. that was, it's been such a pinnacle Ebenezer type moment in my life where I learned I don't have to force and change people's opinions because my my thought was I will convince these doctors and, mm -hmm. I will convince <laughs> and we will make it a surgery. And um, at the, like the 11th hour, I think it was like two days before the potential surgery, um, the doctors all changed their minds. Like, I, I don't know how to explain what happened. We had a conversation wow. with surgeons and I explained my concerns about doing the same thing again. But yeah, they all called us and were like, we changed our mind. We think surgery would be the best route. And I just wow. like, wow, God, 
like you're still involved in in our lives and that was a lesson to me that i don't always have to get out there and pick it to get you know yeah i think that's that's such a good i mean that's an amazing story like i just you know one of those god things but I think that's so true that we forget that. I mean, I know that for me in any instance where I'm like, okay, well, it has to be this way or, or, you know, I feel like it should be a certain way. Like, you know, I, I get out of there with that same mentality where I feel like I need to convince or I need to control when it's like, no, actually you just, you just need to back off because if God said it, like he's going to work through it and make it happen. Um, and there's, you know, something right now that I'm dealing with uh, in that particular kind of thing. And I'm like, actually it's less work for you because <laughs> you heard it from God, you know, it's like rest easy. You know, the verse, my burden is, is easy. And, and that's, and that's the truth. So I, I love that story. That's such a great example Let's let's talk about Chase though, and you know it's like you had so he must have been was he two when he was diagnosed? Almost two. I think he was about eighteen months. I mean, not even two. So that's just like first of all, no one ever thinks that's going to happen. You know, it's like I have a two year old, and I would never even wouldn't even cross my mind that that would happen. And so, how did you end up getting that initial diagnosis? Was it a regular checkup, or did something happen? Well, like I mentioned, I'm very holistic. So if I say we need to go to the doctor, my husband's like, hmm, this is very interesting. Um, we had noticed some growth on his neck and I just kept watching it. I thought maybe it was some lymph nodes. He was fighting maybe you know, an infection or something. Um, but after like three or four weeks, we were like, oh, this is not going away. And the funny thing is when we took him to the pediatrician, they were like, oh, it's an ear infection. It's, he'll be fine. But mm. here's ENT. You know, you can go see an ear, nose, throat doctor. Then the ear, nose, throat doctor is like, oh, he's fine. And I just really had the sense like something is not right. Oh, that's so scary to think that doctors were saying that. Well, they did blood draws and he came back negative for leukemia and all these other things. Um, but finally we took him to uh, a more advanced surgeon and they were like, there, uh, there's something going on here. And they got a sonogram and that's when they figured out something was going on. So, mm. I think that's so, and you know, I would like to think that as a mom, I would do that same thing. Like something doesn't feel right, but I also feel like I'm almost too inclined to trust doctors. I feel like that could be something a lot of people struggle with. Like, you know, if your doctor, if, if my pediatrician tells me something, I sort of just believe it. And it's sort of like as moms, as parents, like we need to be like sort of honed into that second instinct uh, to follow our gut. And um, so I think that's a good example of you know, doing that. Obviously, it was a, it turned out, you know, I'm glad that you did. Um, so then when you heard what it really was, I mean, can you explain that moment? What was that moment like for you? Well, I would clarify there. Then there's some of us who are like, oh, my kid has everything. So I think. For me, no, that's you, true. That's true. My sister is like, like that. <laughs> like it's a little different. Um, but yeah, we just, we have to be tuned in and wise and, you know, ask the Lord for wisdom, not to be fearful. I think when we found out it definitely, it's a, it's a moment of shock. Um, like, yeah, you never think it's, it's going to happen to you. Um, we've been through so much now, so I'm having to think back now. I'm like, oh, I haven't, that was a while ago now. Um, yeah. But yeah, it definitely was not something we expected. And there is, I think the hardest part when you find out is that moment of, you immediately think I'm gonna lose my child. Um, yeah. And I remember that first go, cause he's been re-diagnosed three times. And I know that first go, um, 
one of the things we had to learn really early on was like, Lord, can, can we let go of our son if, if that were to be the case? And that was something we had to wrestle with. Like, and I remember he actually got better the first time. And it was right around the time my husband and I had a really deep conversation with the Lord. And we said, Lord, like we trust you. And I felt like that was a changing of the guard or a changing of the season in his diagnosis because he started improving after that. I'm like, okay, God, what are you teaching us in this? Like, is this a part of you asking us to let go and trust you? And so that was, okay. You said that was about two years ago. And so then you guys proceeded with chemo then is, was it like right after that, that you did the chemo? Yeah. It's stage two. And once you get diagnosed, the ball starts moving. They I mean, you're, they yeah. go, you have nothing going on to, to, <laughs> to you right now. <laughs> right. And so, so how quickly then did you, was the cancer supposedly, it was gone at some point after that, right? We caught it really early, which was a huge praise. So he did two rounds of chemo and he was, I guess the national standard is that you then monitor it. If it's shrunk by a certain percent, I think it's shrunk by like 85%. And so at that point you monitor it and it's, he has scans every three months and it didn't come back for a whole year. So. Hmm. And at that point, are you feeling like, are you feeling a little less nervous? Like thinking that, okay, maybe we're out of the woods. Yeah, I think, yeah. By the time of the fourth scan came, although we started noticing growth again, right around, it was actually, mm. it was exactly a year after the first diagnosis that we noticed this, we were summer and we were in California and we noticed the growth again in his neck. So we actually weren't surprised uh, when they told us it had come back. How? What kind of... Um like personality do you have? Do you have a, you seem kind of calm. I was going to say you seem calm right now. Of course, you've talked about this a lot already, but, but I just, um, you know, I, and of course can only imagine myself in like the amount of panic that would grip me, um, you know, seeing it come back. Like if you're, you know, just going along on your day and then all of a sudden you notice this, I mean, I feel like I would want to just like, flop on the floor and, you know, not move. Uh, obviously you can't do that. You have two kids and you're got to live your life, but, but how do you work through those emotions that can be paralyzing? I mean, this is where the faith really comes into play because I have those moments and those moments do paralyze you. And then you're, you're no good. <laughs> you know, you can't, really, <laughs> you're not very helpful to your kids or your husband. And so, yeah, it's, it's when those moments come, like, do I believe God is who he says he is? Like, is he for me? Are his plans for me? Like, even if I don't understand the details of what's going on, um, definitely when we noticed the growth and we thought it could be coming back, I remember like agonizing before that scan, like, is it coming back? Are we going to have to deal with this again? Um, I think we're calm at this point because we've seen God move so many times before. I actually, I am on my blog. I started something called the Ebenezer series where I interviewed other people to talk about God's faithfulness, because I think that's something the Israelites did is they, they built stones to remind them of how God had moved in the past. Because when you're in that moment of having to face it again, you, you can remind yourself that's right. He's been mm. faithful in the past and things. And that's why we have to write it down. We have to remember it. Um, otherwise, in those moments, you are paralyzed by fear. If you don't have something to remind yourself of who he is and what he's done in your life and in other people's lives. This episode is brought to you in part by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries, which prepares Christian women for leadership. At Bow. 
We believe that every woman is a leader because she influences someone. So whom do you influence? Do you mentor a woman, serve in the workplace, or do you lead a small group, teach the Bible, or even lead an entire ministry? No matter who or how many you influence, our free online resources will help equip you. Our videos, podcast episodes, and articles from experienced women leaders will encourage you and perfect your leadership skills. They offer wisdom for dealing with ministry pitfalls, current biblical issues, health for your own soul, and insights for shepherding others well. In addition, Bow offers Bible studies designed to connect women of multiple generations. They provide a challenge to both women new to the Bible and those wanting to dig deeper. Be our guest and browse all of our free resources and low-cost Bible studies at beyondordinarywomen.org. Yeah, that's so true. I just finished reading the Old Testament, and I just, so so much through the Old Testament, it's like constant references to God's work in the past. Just remember that he did this for you. And, uh, you know, this is the God that, you know, brought you out of Egypt. And um, it is, yeah, it's so important to maintaining faith, like in the hard moments. Um, What do your conversations with God look like when you're talking with him about this? Um, How do you, how does that relationship look? Well, you think I'm very calm. Just <laughs> the spectrum I'm on. There are definitely moments where I'm like, Lord, what are you doing? I thought this was over. I mean, we're we're kind of on the tail end of treatment for this third go. And I'm like, Lord, I'm tired. This baby's coming yeah. I'm ready for this journey and this chapter to be over. Um, so we definitely have those moments, especially when we're physically exhausted, um, where God, please show up and help. Um, but mm-hmm. then there are moments too, where I've learned, like when we worship in the midst of those moments and we declare who he is, like there's power that breaks things in that. Um, actually the song that came out right when he got re-diagnosed, we were listening to in California on the drive, um, before we had to head back to Virginia for his diagnosis. And it was the song, um, raise a hallelujah, which was written about a little boy who was diagnosed and it was, written, I think Bethel worship. And it was all about raising a hallelujah in the midst of the storm when you don't understand it. And I remember that song came out right around that time. And I remember singing it as we were driving in the car, not knowing the diagnosis and being like, like, yes, we can worship God, even though we don't know what is going to happen. And there, there's so much freedom in that and, and the peace that passes understanding. So yeah, some of my, some of my prayers are like, Lord, where are you? Um, but then there's some that are, that, that I think he's, t- taught me how to worship in the midst of the hard moments, because that's where the peace comes from so that you can keep walking. So, yeah. Yeah. It's so much um, like in so many hard situations, it's, you don't know how you do it until you have to do it. And when you have to do it and when that's all you have, like that's what you use. And then God gives what you need through that, you know, when you need it, not before. Um, And I always, I always consider that when thinking about situations, you know, that could arise in life like this. Um, Let me see here. So how is Chase doing now? How does he handle his treatment and stuff like that? You know, he is, he's so wise beyond his years. I feel, sometimes I feel like honored to be his mom because he's, he's, he's a really, really special young man. And I'm like, I know God has amazing plans for his life. Um, I, I remember, I think I posted on this on Instagram when he had to have a surgery and he was, you know, only three years old last year. 
And I was like, how do I build faith into my son's heart? Like I have faith, right? Or God's teaching me things, but he's three. And I remember I found him reading his little children's Bible or like a little, you know, with the little pictures. And he loved the story of the centurion soldier, um, especially during his the first year of his diagnosis. And I remember like the Lord saying to me, Angelis, like, all you have to do is point him to me. Like I'm, I, I have my own relationship I'm building with him. That was a really encouraging moment for me. I mean, there are definitely moments when I have to pray and I have to, you know, remind him. Um, there are moments when he asks, why do I have to go through this? He's smarter now. He's four. Um, but yeah, also realizing that he's his own little person building relationship with the Lord. And I can trust, I have to trust the Lord in that as well, you know? Yeah. And that's so true of anyone with children, you know, thinking about, you know, guiding our kids. And, you know, that's something I felt lately too, just feeling like, oh, like I want so much for them to have a relationship with God and to, you know, walk in godly ways as they grow older, but recognizing that I am not in control of that either. But that's, yeah, that's such a good point. Now, do you have a lot of, um, or have you made friends with other parents who are going through this? And, and is that helpful? Yeah, it definitely is. There's a big, um, our surgeons in DC, our original teams in Virginia, and now we're doing immunotherapy up in New York. And so we've met parents kind of all over the place. Um, my husband just met a couple from Israel who came out because this is kind of New York is the leading place for immune, mm -hmm. uh, for neuroblastoma people who have kind of continued to have this repeat. Um, so we met just a couple on a playground actually recently um, who had come all the way from Israel for the same treatment as us. Uh, I personally have found that the the faith and holistic community is a little bit smaller within that community. And within that, I have found women that I really feel like I can lean on and ask questions and, and build that community. Because, I mean, we all have kind of our different ways of doing things. So it's been yeah, definitely. Find your tribe within the tribe. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's good, though, because then you really find the people that you connect with on that deep level. So you're in New York City right now? Yes. Okay. Um, well, I hear, of course, that it's like the streets are empty, <laughs> but, um, but, but speaking of COVID, um, you know, people that are dealing with sickness are especially affected by COVID. Um, I don't, has that been, how has it affected you? Has it made you a little more scared for Chase to be around people? I mean, I doubt he's around a lot of people, but what, how has it affected things? Like I said, I'm holistic, so I'm all about boosting the immune system. Um, and my husband's the wise one who's like, let's be safe and protect him from the germs. Um, so we've kind of done, we've tried to do a balance because I don't, I don't want to live by fear. Um, but I also understand the importance of wisdom and being aware of where he's living. But also he, I want him to go out to the playground. I want him to go, we go to Central Park a lot when we're here. Um, and, and he just loves that climbing on the rocks and it gives him something to look forward to. So um, we've definitely, you know, upped our hand washing and, and <laughs> careful of who and how we interact with people. Um, but I also, I mean, the thing I, I tell my husband this a lot, <laughs> maybe I'm, I'm like, you know, I could die. I could, or I could live on the middle of a battlefield with bullets whizzing past me. And I was like, and I could die from a poisonous spider bite. <laughs> inside my, yeah. my house. So I really, I want to live each day in obedience to what God has asked me to learning to honor, you know, the things my husband requests of me, but also not allowing that to define us. I think the, the, the hardest part of COVID and my son walking through this has been 
um, just the testing, the constant testing. And even the hospitals have said like, I'm so sorry, this is just policy that we have to test him for the coronavirus, like before every procedure. So he's had like, you know, 20, 25 tests. We actually had a conversation mm. with the team yesterday and we're like, there's gotta be a different way. Cause this is like- The sticking the thing up the nose. Yeah, it's too hard. Oh, and he dang. told me like, mom, this is too hard. So I'm hoping that maybe we can see some policy changes where they give people options. I know some nursing homes, they'll do like um, a saliva test or something else. That's something my husband and I have been talking about. Like, how can we change the options? for the kids because that's just another thing for them to have to mentally heal from. Um, yeah, that's trauma. Like it's uh, it just, I mean, I have no medical expertise, but I just don't understand why they need to do it that way. <laughs> it just seems so silly. Yeah, it, do, it doesn't make sense. And especially one thing our Virginia healthcare team has said is like, you guys are cancer families. Like you guys live in COVID type lockdowns before COVID ever existed. Like, yeah. Something, that's so it's I know that some teams and some hospitals have wanted to work with us and have tried to find ways around the 72 hour policy um, because they just they realize that you can't keep putting a kid through this. I mean, you'd be in the hospital every day just to swap before. you. Yes. Can. So, oh, man, that is really tough um, to deal with that. I can't imagine. Um, so you mentioned that your husband and you are very different, come from different backgrounds. I'm always interested in, uh, you know, marriage hacks. I like to call them marriage hacks. I hear that on another podcast. But, but how how have you come together, and how do you work together to make like really tough decisions, um, even though you're very different? I honestly think that is one of the reasons why the Lord has allowed us to walk through this journey, and that's what I I write about in my book. Uh, I really do feel that the Lord knew that we had to go through something like this to bring us together. Um, because both of us bring something to the table that I think helps Chase become stronger. Um, but in order to build that unity, there is a little bit of, there has to be a dying to yourself. There has to be a learning the other person's perspective, right? Like that's, that's the marriage walk. I've been loving this podcast. Um, some of the marriage podcasts I've been listening to, to realize, okay, I'm not alone in this. There are other people who are learning to bring two different personalities together. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's been a long road of me learning to value my husband and respect what he brings to the table and, and championing that and him also coming to value what I bring to the table and, and seeing how Chase is thriving. Um, a lot of our doctors have said like, why is Chase still eating? Like, why is he acting so normal? And I really do attribute that to the fact that he has a really healthy nutrition. We detox him. Um, I, I think that, plays a, a huge component of his, his journey. But I'm also glad when I first started writing the book, I didn't want to do anything like modern medicine at all. And I've really changed. And that's because of learning to trust my husband and his mm. wisdom in the process. So um, you, so when you talk about being holistic and detox, what are some of the things that, that, that in, includes? So one of the women I have just loved, her name is Susan Johnson. She had a son who had leukemia, Mm, 10 years ago now for three years. And I mean, her job is she does the oils and all the natural foods. And then her son got diagnosed, but he thrived through cancer. I mean, he played soccer. He did. He did. He was like a normal kid. And so I was like, okay, what did you do so that your son could thrive through it? And that's what she does now through her group uh, called kick cancer. Cause her son's name is kicker. And <laughs> I know. And, 
one of the, some of the things that she suggests are like we do Epsom salt baths. So, you know, to pull any toxins we can out of the body. Uh, when he was going through chemotherapy, we did a lot of castor oil on the stomach, which helps support the liver, which is having to like flush out all of, you know, this medicine and all these toxins in his system. Um, and then just trying to give him a really healthy diet. My husband, it, he's really into like supplements and what can we put in smoothies for him? What can we hide in there that will help support the different things, that kind of thing. So, yeah. Do you also personally sort of like regularly eat like that and sort of holistically live on a regular basis just as a family? That was a part of my journey, which I write about in the book. Um, I, I kind of, I reached a breaking point in my health and that's when I started writing about it in 2017. And that's when I was like, Oh, maybe my mom was right about a couple more things than I thought she was right. Uh, maybe I should watch those Starbucks drinks or maybe a couple of <laughs> vanilla. Um, so yeah, we, we definitely tried that. We're, we're balanced. I mean, we, we want my, my son to enjoy and have something to look forward to. So after a really hard day of treatment, we, we he wants a donut, we give him a donut. But yeah. also like handing out candy like it's Christmas at the hospital. Like, oh, you're sick. Have ice cream, a lollipop. And I'm like, okay, we do know that sugar feeds cancer. Like, let's let's like let's offer him the pasta or the meat or the broccoli first. And then yeah. you know, if he's having a hard day, then maybe we'll go to the popsicle next. Um, so yeah. But we do try yeah. a pretty healthy lifestyle. Yeah. Um so you mentioned this lady, uh, holistic lady that you follow. Are there any other role models or people that you really look up to that you followed for advice or just wisdom? Oh, man, the Internet is full of just so many wonderful people that are sharing their wisdom. Don't you love the podcast and everything? Um, my husband and I have really been loving the Lover Work podcast. We were okay. parenting earlier because we've both found that we are both very driven people. I come from a very traditional background and realizing like, okay, I'm actually a better mom when I am involved in things that stimulate that another part of my brain. Um, and so how do we kind of partner their kind of their motto is, can you um, stay in love, raise a healthy family and change the world? I think that's what um, their motto is. And they ask a lot of other couples in that same that same category and learn tips or tricks from them. So we've really enjoyed that book and we're trying to do it together and that podcast. Um, and then when it just comes to like biblical um, learning, I love Christine Kane, Priscilla Shire, Shelly Giglio. They're just inspiring and classics. Yeah. <laughs> They're so good. I love Christine Kane so much. Yeah. Um, what would you say, I don't know, this is sort of a big question, but looking back, you know, over these past couple of years and, and now where you are, um, what would you say maybe you've learned about yourself and learned about God? Um, how would you say you've changed as a person after going through this with your son? I definitely am not the know-it-all <laughs> that I used to be. Um, <laughs> you learn a lot about grace and the importance of un understanding that his strength is magnified in our weakness. Um, I feel like that's kind of the battle I keep fighting with my son is I keep wanting to fight based on what I know and often goes against what the hospital knows and trying to figure out where do I fight for my son and where do I trust God um, in this process? Because, I mean, I'm constantly up against the door of people who are like, it, it's just, it's a different way of doing um, health the way I do it based in the hospital. So I feel like it's this constant shaping of when, when, when do I fight and when do I trust? Mm -hmm. So I think that's the biggest thing. And then, you know, I think I used to think I knew all the pieces and how things 
to be. And you realize now there's so many different ways of doing life and, and finding health. And the most important thing is if we can, I think, humbly learn from the people around us, um, grow, ask questions, be okay being wrong, trust that God can cover us in the places where we do make mistakes or maybe we didn't make the best choice. Giving ourselves more grace, I think, is essentially what I've learned is how to give myself more grace. Yeah. Um, oh, are you hearing an echo? I am hearing something outside in the streets of New York, so I don't know if you're hearing that. Hmm. It's like a motor um, no, I'm hearing my own voice echo. Oh, but there, that's better. Okay. Sorry, everybody. Um, we're getting close to the end here. Um, so the question I was about to ask, um, oh, yeah. So you are expecting your third baby in like a few weeks, which is exciting. But how are you feeling about it? What are you looking forward to? Are you nervous? Just tell us all the things about it. Well, I feel like as I'm talking to you, I'm like, am I out of breath? <laughs> you don't sound out of breath. <laughs> am, I, am I sweaty? Um, <laughs> um, I thought, yeah, we can do this. We can do New York. I think this is the first week where I'm like, okay, I'm full term. We need to take it easy. Yeah. Yeah. Slow down. <laughs> You're getting there. You're like, you've done it before, but you forget. The end yeah, is not exactly long. easy. Yeah. My first two were so close together and now it's been four years. So oh, I'm, yeah. I'm really excited. I think my biggest thing is just because we are not quite at the end of this cancer journey with my son. So mm -hmm. how am I going to balance another area to trust God? How am I going to balance bringing a third child into the world? Not in my control, my zone, how I want it you know, while still having to do these trips up to New York every month, two months, they're working with us. But I think we're excited because I really, the Lord had really told me this year that he was doing a new thing. And I really believe we got pregnant with this baby the same week my son got re-diagnosed. And I don't think that's a coincidence. I really do think, because mm -hmm. we've been trying for a while, because my son was cancer-free for a while. And I... I really do think God is a part of the details. The fact that the baby is due like right around election time, uh, the name that we want to give this baby means peace. And I like, I, I, I truly believe God, you're doing something new in our family and there is a purpose for this child. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of trusting God with yeah. many details out of our control. So, so you said you're almost, you're sort of at the tail end of the treatment right now. Is that right? Yeah, he's supposed to do seven rounds of this immunotherapy, and then we're hoping he is done. This is this week is the fourth round, so we're at the the halfway point, getting there. Okay, okay. Um, Angelise, what uh, what are some books that you're reading, or shows that you're liking, or other podcasts that you could share with us that you're into right now? If you're into those kind of things, yeah, no, podcasts are amazing. Uh, Love Her Work podcast, I mentioned that. Uh, just just listening to them, episode 19 with Jenny Allen and her husband, two visionaries and one family. Oh, I love Jenny Allen. She's the best. Amazing. Um, so the Love Her Work podcast has been awesome for marriage stuff. I, I kind of do a, a different things for different topics. So um, what was the book I was reading recently? Uh, the Price and Power of Revival by uh, Duncan Campbell. It's a really, really, really small book, kind of just looking at what's happening in the world today. He talks about what happened in Ireland um, back in the, there was like a huge revival of how God worked and moved in the community. And I love seeing that because sometimes we don't always have the right perspective to what's happening around us in the world. And he gave such a beautiful perspective of how God worked in the midst of what seemed like an upheaval. So that, that's a book I just finished. But honestly, right now I am in the <laughs> Googling, uh, how do you care for a newborn? 
<laughs> again. Back to that, you're like, oh, yeah, I can't imagine because you know my son. Well, I have a four year old and a two year old, and even two year old two years ago seems like a long time ago. So um, I'm sure it'll all come back to you naturally. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, if you had asked me this question a month ago, I'd say something else. I feel like I'm starting to head into this. Okay, you're about to have a baby. You're going to be out of commission for three months, and then you'll be back. <laughs> yes. And it's like the first baby, you can at, like, at least look forward to like, oh, I'm going to like binge a TV show or something. But when it's your third, that's probably not going to be much on the table. <laughs> My kids, though, are planning on helping all the things they're going to do to help. So that will be very interesting. <laughs> so is your daughter five? She's five, but yeah. Okay. This is yeah, five is, uh, they can be helpful. They can be a little helpful. Yeah. I, I'm <laughs> growing for all of us. I'm sure that they're, are the kids real excited? They, I mean, they're so excited. Although my daughter is, she really wanted a sister. So now she's, she's pushing for a cat. A female cat. <laughs> You're like one thing at a time. It's like, uh, let mommy have the baby, let brother get better, then we'll talk about that. Yeah, then we'll talk about animals. Okay. All right, Angelise. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. I really hope that um, people are able to find some encouragement from that. I know there are all kinds of people that are going through hard things with their kids, and you, your message and your faith is such an encouragement. And I, you know, I think that somebody that's meant to hear it will hear it. So I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you for making the time, Erica. It's always good talking to you. This episode was brought to you in part by Wheaton College's MA in Humanitarian and Disaster Leadership, which prepares Christian professionals to serve others faithfully and excellently. Called to help people facing disasters, human trafficking, poverty, or displacement as refugees? Visit wheaton.edu/hdl.